went, if we can remember that far. We talked about Franciscan priest and author Richard Rohr and his book, The Universal Christ. One of the core concepts of that book is this notion of mirroring. Do you guys remember this? Sort of. Mirroring is a term used in child development for the way in which infants reflect the behavior of their parents. When parents smile, babies smile. When parents are upset, babies cry. This leads us to babies using blocks as cell phones. Or to little Sammy playing the uke up here with us. <laughs> or to my friend's four-year-old girl who curses like a sailor when she's trying to put on her shoes. We all mirror, we all reflect the images around us, and we reflect the way in which others treat us. If we are surrounded by images that belittle us or tell us we don't matter, we think of ourselves that way. If we are loved and respected, we love and respect ourselves and others. Richard Rohr situates that mirroring love of Christ within the eternal divine. Remember, we mentioned this the last time. Rohr says, the Christ mirror fully knows and loves us from all eternity and reflects that image, that eternal image back to us. Today, Jesus passes the baton of mirroring on to his disciples and makes it essential to discipleship, essential to this God-love life. He says, just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. As I have loved you. This is the essential part of this passage This passage in John's gospel comes during the Last Supper. Jesus has just washed his disciples' feet. In fact, the term Monday, Thursday, the term for that day where we celebrate and remember Jesus is washing the disciples' feet. And sometimes, if we're comfortable enough, but maybe not, we can all get together and we wash each other's feet, right? This is one of the things we do liturgically. This term for that day, Monday, Thursday, comes from this passage, from the Old French, mande, and from the Latin, mandatum, which is related to mandato, if you speak Spanish, or mandate in English. The phrase in the Latin Bible for this passage starts, mandatum novum dovobis, a new commandment I give to you. A new commandment. So there you go. There's your little Monday, Thursday fact. A new commandment I give to you. Love one another as I have loved us. Okay. As I have loved you. This, it's kind of weird. When, I first, when you first read this and, you, and Jesus says, I give you a new commandment and then proceeds to give you the same commandment we get 400 times elsewhere in the Bible. It seems a little repetitive, right? And we know the two most important commandments love of God and love of neighbor, right? 
But unfortunately, unfortunately, that term love is just overused and anemic. It's a great word, but it's also something that we just hear like peanuts teacher style. Wah, 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 wah. Because of that effect, Richard Rohr suggests another term when you're up in conflict with love so you can hear it. He suggests the term givenness or just giving, giving. Giving the way that teachers give of their knowledge and time. They pass it on from one person to another. doesn't mean effusive generosity. It means presence, giving yourself, giving of yourself somehow. Teachers do it. Parents, of course, love by giving themselves as waiters to their babies and toddlers and whatever else they're doing throughout the rest of their life. I think I I think it's fair to say that I understood very little about love prior to, to having having my children prior to becoming a parent before giving up my schedule, giving of my sleep, giving of my dignity. <laughs> How many bottoms have I wiped? <laughs> I don't know. Better yet, how many times has Mary Beth woken up to feed the baby? Something that I cannot do. Pause and think about it for just a second. For the first three months, a newborn eats nine times a day. Just for those three months, that puts in figure around 810 times. <laughs> and then think about the fact that most kids will eat for the first year. Multiply that times three kiddos. It's pretty staggering. (laughs) Yet, and yet, we are grateful as a parent when I am not exhausted. I'm so grateful to see their little faces. I got a migraine this week and I lose my vision when that happens. And the first thing I thought was, What if I lost my vision and could not see my kids' faces again? That would be be the worst for me. Fortunately, I got it back. This giving, giving of the self, is how Jesus loves. Again, Rohr continues the metaphor of Christ's love as a mirror to include the language of givenness. He says, a mirror's very nature is infinite giving. Infinite giving. A mirror receives and reflects what it sees. It does not judge or adjust. That mirror dedicates its entire self to the infinite giving of light, just as Jesus gives of his entire self. Divine light as an eternal cross and infinite resurrection. I, you may not know this about me, but I'm a big 
dork when it comes to uh, to Spanish li- li- literature and Spanish language. I, uh, I, I was, that's why I studied in undergrad, spent some time in, in South America. And one of my favorite authors is Jorge Luis Borges, who many of you might have read. Maybe you've read his Ficciones. If you have not, go out and get that book. It's pretty amazing. It'll blow your mind. Borges has this concept uh, uh, that <laughs> he has this weird fascination with mirrors. And one of the things that he says is that infinity is two mirrors facing each other. Which is, I like that. It's kind of a fun, fun notion. But I love this idea of the mirror as infinite resurrection. Infinite Giving. Giving of the self is also how Jesus articulates love in, God, in John's gospel. This passage, this, which we're getting the very beginning of what is in this today, what is known as the farewell discourse. The farewell discourse. And later in John 15, in this same discourse, the same passage, Jesus says, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Giving of oneself for others. In Acts today, we get a broader version, a broader vision of what this looks like. Let's rewind and look at that Acts passage real quick, right? Peter goes back to the apostles and he said, they say to him, why do you go to uncircumcised men and eat with them? Now, Peter has been through a lot, right? So if you take the Luke-Acts narrative as one continuous thing and just ride right straight through from Jesus' death and resurrection straight into the receiving of the Holy Spirit and Pentecost, not to, not to jump the gun on that, but it's coming. It's coming. It's on our radar. Jesus, he, Peter's been through a lot, and he's just gone off to Joppa, and he's been with uh, some disciples there, and then he has this vision. He has this vision where unclean food comes before him and he's told to eat. And Peter, who is faithful, the rock, he has always kept his identity as someone who would not do that. It is fundamental to who he is. But the divine voice presses on, so Peter gives up his ideals and flexes his identity lets it change. Peter risks who he has been for the sake of what he will be. He, in this passage, if you're having trouble like trying to relate to Peter, think of this as like a vegan eating carnitas at some sketchy street vendor in Tijuana. That is the kind of risk we are talking about. Identity risk, health risk. There's a lot going on here, right? Okay. Peter eats the carnitas. He goes to Cornelius' house. He spends time with and eats with Gentiles. Peter gives 
of himself gives up who he has been for the sake of the gospel and the folks back home don't get it. They do not get it. Why do you go to the uncircumcised men and eat with them? It makes me think of our guest and celebrant, Jerry Anderson. I'm sure there are people who thought or said, how could you be a chaplain to AIDS patients? It is dangerous, both physically and spiritually. I'm guessing you got that. People felt it was dangerous and probably spiritually sketchy at the time. It was an unknown illness, not quite understood. It was unknown territory for God's love. And now that we in the medical community are so familiar with the HIV AIDS history and also the illness itself. And likewise, the church has given up what it once was. The church has followed God's love and now... Now we affirm and celebrate our LGBTQ siblings in Christ, and now we are growing to our next challenge, whatever that may be. Love is constantly calling us to give of ourselves in pursuit of an ever-expanding body of Christ. The eternal mirror reflects back the needs of the present, shines light on where we can and should love, where we must give of ourselves for the sake of others. The eternal mirror of God's love reveals different things to each one of us. Maybe your work is to be an AIDS chaplain. Maybe you're supposed to drive uh, undocumented uh, immigrants around town. Or maybe you're going to bike around the country for climate change. Who knows what you're going to do? Maybe love is calling you to give your energy and your presence to your children, your students, your teachers, your studies, or maybe you lay down your certainty that you know what is right. Oh, no. Wherever the divine mirror is shedding light today, the work is eternally the same. To reflect the grace and love we have been given. Amen. Amen.